Hello, beauties, and welcome back to another episode of the Make a Dent podcast. I'm your host, Sierra McCleave. And on this podcast, we interview people who, you know, are making a dent in their own world by chasing happiness, fulfilling their purpose and passion, as well as the world around them. Very excited today. Today we have on The Journey founder, Lucas Smithson. That's at The Journey EST 2016 on Instagram and the socials. And The Journey is an outdoor travel brand inspiring others to live out their dreams. And when I tell you that that tagline is exactly how Lucas lives his life, I mean it. You get to hear in the interview how important that motto and mantra is to Lucas. We dive into growing a brand. Uh, His company, The Journey, has about 115,000 followers on Instagram, about 218 on TikTok, and over a million impressions on YouTube. He's been working it since 2016 and now diving into being a full-time content creator. So we discuss how he built up his brand, why he's doing it, the purpose and passion behind it. Lucas is filled with passion and what he's doing and really truly wants to inspire others to go out, live their dream, to not wait, that tomorrow is not promised. He has a whole bunch of amazing mantras that he lives by. We dive into all those things as well as actually how to monetize your brand. He shares with us how he pitched one of his first major brand deals. I'm so excited for you guys to hear that because there's a lot of things you can pull out of that and actually implement. It's an incredible discussion. I can't wait to hear what you think. As usual, please let me know in the comments or DMs and please enjoy my conversation with Lucas Smithson. Well, Lucas, welcome to the Make It Dent podcast. I'm so, so excited to have you on and about just the potential of our conversation today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Such a cool opportunity uh, being able to meet new people and to, uh, you know, discuss things that I'm passionate about. I love it. And I think we could, we should kind of start there because I... I just love how we synced up and I would actually like to hear a little bit about like your Gary V story. So we, uh, Gary V had posted something regarding basically encouraging brands and people to go on more podcasts and cut them up to put out more content. And I had just restarted make a dent commented on it. And Lucas had DM me. I was so excited. Tell me about kind of your, your thought process in that. And also about your Gary V story, how long you've been following him thoughts on him. Yeah, you know, I think uh, social media like almost puts this uh, wall up, I guess, when you see other people with like a certain amount of followers or something like that. It's like, oh, we can't connect with other people. And uh, I saw that you were pretty passionate and I was like, looks like somebody that I would love to have a conversation with. So it was was pretty easy. And then obviously in the short time getting to know you, I'm really glad that I made that decision because I feel like we're going to be friends for a long time. Uh, but with Gary V, I, I consider myself one of the OG Gary V guys, like, like back in the, the crush it days, like All when right. he first did his kind of bestseller, um, uh, he's always been pretty popular for quite some time. Uh, but I, I think I just appreciate his, um, his fire for life and his fire to give back to others. And I think that's something that really resonates with me. Um, I don't necessarily do obviously what Gary Vee does, I, I'm in a different you know space, but a lot of the things that he talks about, uh, the, you know, the value that he provides back to his audience is something that definitely resonates with me. So geez, I've, I've literally been following him for, I'd say like eight plus years now. So I love that. I, uh, I think probably you're a little earlier than me and like Gary V wagon. And to be honest, I think this is the case for most people. And he said this a lot is either love him or hate him right away. 
And the first time I heard him, I think I, I was like, man, this guy is loud and annoying. And now he's just like my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite people to follow. And I got to so excited. I got to hear him speak live, uh, a couple weekends ago at the NBA all-star event here in Utah. And it was, it was a dream. It like you, you hear stuff all the time, but then in person it just resonates. And I love what you said. I, that's, that's one way I knew that we would probably be fast friends. Uh, but then just our brief conversations that we've had, uh, actually what I have on my paper that you said was passion that I can see from you right away. I can see in your content and really we've only, you know, we've talked on the phone like 15 minutes and then just DM'd a little bit trying to set this up. But that's one thing that's really stood out to you that I'm excited to dive into. So let's just kind of segue into that. Um, because I think that's going to come through in the video and the audio that we're doing here today. But so our podcast is called make a dent and I could tell by talking to you very briefly, like I said, that you're passionate about what you're doing. Let's talk about the platform that you're building right now, which is at the journey EST 2016. I mentioned in the intro and origin story with that and how you're kind of wanting to make a dent with that. So I, throw, I threw three questions. I'm going to edit this. I threw three questions at you, but really <laughs> talk to me about what you're doing with the journey and what your purpose and passion is there. Yeah. So I get, I get told quite a bit from my wife that my passion can scare some people. Um, and so I try and like, try and come across as like warm and as inviting as I can. Cause sometimes my passion, like comes out almost as zeal and it terrifies people. They're just kind of like, oh man, you're like really, really intense, right? Like you get in a room and it's like, okay. Uh, so I, I'm glad that it's coming across more friendly because that's what I'm trying to work on to make sure it's like that it's authentic because I really do. Like I'm very, very excited about what I do. Uh, Lucas, and for, this, is, this is the perfect place to just let that passion for you, man. So this is a safe space. Good. You let it go. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I could just be full fire. That, that, that makes me feel good. So, so really like, you know, I'm going to say the cheesy line, right. For our, our company or however you want to call it. Uh, but genuinely like we, we really do live this out and our whole purpose is really to inspire others to live out, um, their dreams. Um, and it's to live life to the fullest, right. It's, to remember that tomorrow is too late. Like we have all these little kind of catchphrases, but we we hammer them home. Like we really repeat it to people. Cause you know, sometimes like, especially, you know, you're a Gary Vee truther, so you know, he has to say things 8,000 times. And then that one time it clicks for people. So I've kind of learned that from him that find those things that really resonate uh, and then keep pushing those talking points. And even if you say it a thousand times, like if it affects one person that one time, then it's worth it. And so for us, like, you know, what does, you know, living life to the fullest look like for you? Well, for some, like you might be stuck in a really difficult job in a corporate job and you're going to work every day, nine to five. And it might be deciding to take you and your girlfriend on a picnic after work. Right. And, or maybe a living life to the fullest for you is being more active in your kids' lives, like start coaching your son's uh, baseball games or going to your daughter's piano recital. Like there are other ways to live life to the fullest. It's not always about selling everything and ending up in the woods and, you know, like just me and, and nature. Like, uh, and don't get me wrong, you'll find plenty great stuff doing that as well. Uh, but there's different ways of 
taking the mantra of remembering tomorrow's too late, living life to the fullest, and then actually applying it to your life. And for us, like, there's nothing special about us. We just decided to start doing it. And right. the last, the last, you know, geez, what is it? 2016, we did stuff before that, but really officially became a business 2016. Like I, I've got enough stories uh, that would last a lifetime that I could tell people. And that's, that's not a brag. That's just something because I decided to change what meant success and what meant value to me, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Hundred percent, and and I love how you phrase that, and I love your kind of your mottos and your catchphrases because it just hits so many points home for me. As I've been relaunching the podcast, I didn't, and, and talking about making a dent. That's kind of what resonates with me too. Is is how do you make a dent in your own life? And that could be absolutely spending more time with your kids or learning a new skill. And how do you make a dent in other people's lives? And so that's, that's, I love that. And I connect really, really super well with that. Um, one thing I found interesting with you is, I mean, you're a fairly young guy. I think I have no idea how old you are. If you want to share, that's fine. But I'm 29. So okay. I'm glad, I'm glad I look young. So you you have lived a lot of life from what I understand for 29, really and truly not, not many people can say they've, they've visited as many places as you. And I do not think you would ever brag just cause I know you very briefly, but, but that's something that is your truth. Let's talk about that origin story for that, because from what I remember and correct me if I'm wrong, and, and I kind of want to hear you, your version of your origin story, but that started when you were young, right? Like it sounds like your parents had a pretty strong impact on, on that and influence on the way you see the world. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So my, my mom studied abroad. Uh, we were homeschooled growing up and everyone gets context. Oh, so you like, you were like not socialized and like stayed in your house and you know, like you never, you never went outside or anything like that. Like, no, that's, (laughs) that's not, we did it a little different. My parents actually hired a teacher paid for a full-time teacher. So my mom kind of bumped to like principal, like fun superintendent role and worked with my teacher to then say, all right, we're going to travel. Like we're going to go take the kids to experience things. Like we're not going to just talk about Gettysburg in our textbook. We're going to go to Gettysburg or, uh, Hey, like, uh, DC, right? Like you've got all these monuments and all these amazing people who've done amazing things to get our country where it's at. Like we're going to physically go and look at the museums, look at the the monuments, learn about our history. Uh, and that was just like a total different mindset. So that's how I was kind of nurtured growing up. You know, I eventually went to a high school and, and got to do all the really social things. I love sports, all that stuff. But the that nurturing really fostered into something that eventually would light a flame we were on our way to a family reunion and I'm sitting in the back of the car and we had stopped at St. Louis to, for the archway for the national park there. We stopped at a couple other places on our way to Minnesota, uh, which is where our family reunion was. And there was an Atlas map in the back of my van and I picked it up and I opened it up and I just saw all this green and I'm just like, like, what is all of this? And why have I not seen all of this? Right. And my parents like, yeah, like there's tons of stuff in America, in our backyard, you know? And I was primarily in the East Coast at the time. So in my head, I'm like, well, I I need to do something about this. So somehow I convinced my parents to literally rent me and my best friends, seven of my best friends and my brother, a van 
to drive from Virginia to California, which is where I'm originally from, and back How in a summer you? trip. I was, I want to say I was like 17, That's like incredible. 18 maybe. So they trusted me enough where I was like, yep, like we're going to let you do this. So seven of my buddies, 20 days, all sorts of smells in that car that I can't share <laughs> on, on the podcast, right? Like you get 10 days in, not a whole lot of showers, you've been in national parks. We'll just leave it for the imagination. But uh, uh, lots of unbelievable memories. I think that trip, we did like eight national parks. We went to literally like 20 states um, and I was hooked. It was over. Like mm. I, I had gotten the bug. I was young. And I was like, well, what the heck? Like, I want to do this, right? So my my mom's parents also were very travel oriented. So I just think it kind of like culminated into um, my moment, which was in the backseat of that car, in that van with the Atlas and just realizing, wait a second here. Because uh, we took three years in geography when I was homeschooled. So we studied, we studied all sorts of countries, cultures, and like, you know, what the, what the countries, uh, uh, animal was their, their flower, all those things. So like, it was just building in me and I didn't even realize it. And then it was that aha moment. And then that first big trip. Oh man. I just, it, just thinking back on it, it makes me smile. Cause you know, that was many, many years ago, but that really was the start for me of what would turn into something that would be a lifelong, uh, journey, right? No pun intended. Well, it's, it's incredible because you'll never forget that. You'll never forget that. And my guess is if you, if you were to choose between probably some certain amount of money and those memories, my guess is you would probably choose those memories. And it seems to be that that really was a catalyst for so much that you do and believe in now. I think it's just incredible. I, I want to ask about your mom a little bit. I'm a mom myself. I believe that you're a father, right? I am. So we got parents. We got parents on the pod today. Yes. And I have a beautiful, he's almost two years old. He'll be two years old in, in June. So oh, that's amazing. I've got yeah. two kids and I'm just so curious about your mom. Like what made her decide to do that? Had she, had she always wanted to do homeschooling? Was it just something that happened? Like what was kind of the whole, if you don't mind sharing like her purpose behind that, because that really seemed to play a big part in you recognizing that there's a way that you can choose to learn and it uh -huh. can be untraditional and it can be insanely fulfilling. And also to me, I, I just like see the word freedom a lot when I hear your story because it opened you up to, to do so many things and to so many experiences and yeah. have an open mind. I come, I come from a very uh, entrepreneurial family. Uh, my dad has pretty much kind of run his own business his whole life, different things, real estate, retail, all sorts of things. Uh, and so that gave him a lot of opportunities to also be involved with my family. Uh, and the reason why I mentioned that is because that kind of segues into more about my mom where, you know, we were kind of like picking, do you want to just kind of put the kids in a like public school system and just, you know, like the state kind of takes care of it. And, you know, look, anyway, I say this, it's going to step on some people's toes. So it is what it is. Uh, but for my, my parents, they, they wanted more control over the education that not only we were getting taught, but the freedoms to do some of the unique things that they wanted to do. You know, my mom wanted the freedom to be able to um, sacrifice, to pay a teacher full time to bring her in and then cultivate that relationship to then take a more managerial role of like, hey, like 
what's the curriculum going to look like? And what's this going to look like? And so she was still involved in day to day, but then it was like, yeah, let's go on a four day trip to Richmond because we were living in Northern Virginia at the time. And we're going to go study the civil war or, uh, you know, we're going to go up to, to Baltimore and see, I think it's Fort Sumner. I don't remember exactly where the, one of our national big songs was written. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was just like a, it was a different mindset than, oh, thank God my kids get to be like, they get to go to school and I get six, seven hours of, of Mm -hmm. of a break. Right. Like she just, that just wasn't her. It just wasn't her. So, um, I think for them, it was really about adjusting that. Right. And then building that foundation so that when we did kind of come of age and it was like, Hey, you know, I want to do sports. I want, my sisters were really into acting and singing. They wanted to be in the choir, things like that. Well, then it was like, all right, like, let's go and find a place that can most closely align with the beliefs that we have and, and kind of the vision that we have. But I, I'll never forget, um, those just built, I call them my foundation years, you know, yeah. of, cause we were in a co-op too. So like we did school with other kids every Wednesday. We, we did school with like 50, 60 other kids in the area in Northern Virginia. So we're still doing school with others, but we had the the freedom and the ability to learn in a unique way than just open your textbook, memorize, regurgitate the information, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think that really has kind of uh, made a big impact on me of how kind of literally how I look at life. Like, well, just because everybody's doing X, does that mean I have to do it? Right. Like, does that make it right? Well, it's just the way the system is. It's just what everyone does. It's like, well, okay. But like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like you're telling me that's the only cookie cutter way to do it. And I'm sitting here going, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't. So yeah. I love what, I love what your mom did too. And I just want to spend another little brief moment on this just, just because I, I just, it's fascinating to me because she really did do it her own way. When, when I've thought of homeschooling my kids, for example, and I've thought about it, you kind of think of just like the traditional school system, a certain way it has to be done, but she brought in someone to help facilitate, which aligned with what was true to her. And as a mom, I, I think, and I think that this, this is true for fathers as well. You kind of, think that you have to parent a certain way, homeschool a certain way, teach sports a certain way, whatever. And I love that you got that lesson early of like, you can, you can make your own <laughs> decisions. You can make your own world and build it exactly how you want. Did you have a hard time with that when you were younger though? Like, did it take you a while to be appreciative of that? Like, did you want to go to school or were you getting fulfilled enough by your Wednesdays, social and everything that you were doing that there wasn't really a desire yeah, for me, my dad was a, a college athlete, and so I was I was pretty athletic too. So when I was kind of getting older, uh, the uh, the rec leagues weren't really cutting it for me, and um, I knew I could apply myself in a new, unique way. And my family was in the process of actually moving out of Northern Virginia, and my sister was going down to uh, she was a senior in high school or going to be a senior, and she was going to go to a school down in Lynchburg, Virginia. And they had a school there and my dad met with the president and all that. And it all just kind of jived. Um, so going into my seventh grade years when I moved into actual like schooling. And I think that was a great transition for me because it was like it was a little bit of a culture shock just because, you know, I'm a very individual, determined person. So it was like 
I, I used to finish my schoolwork by 12, 31 o'clock. Cause it was like, I don't need to sit around and wait. Like I'll get my work done. I was two, three grades ahead in math, English, all sorts of stuff. So like a lot of people think, Oh, if you're homeschooled, it's like, you're limiting them. It's like, no, I was, I was a sixth grader doing ninth grade math. And when I got to school, they wouldn't let me jump into a higher level. I had to go backwards because it was like, well, no, 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 no. Right. Like you're, you're not that. And so that's another topic, but in essence, you know, for me, it was kind of, it was just kind of easy. I was, I guess the hardest thing I struggled with in school was a lot of times I was bored because I had to sit there for, for an hour and it's like, can we just like, can we like do something? So I think the sports were really a good outlet for me to have something to look forward to. Uh, and I, I was a good student too. Um, but yeah, so for me, like I'd say the social aspect, we went to church a lot and I got a lot of social um, connection with that. We were very involved in our church. So youth group, you know, uh, summer, summer camps, winter retreats, things like that. I had good friends in my youth and in my homeschool. So I, I socialized all the time. Like my parents were very adamant about, hey, we're not going to say no. We're not going to say no to have people over. We'd rather have kids at our house and playing at our house and eating, breaking bread at our house. Like, as long as we don't have something that forces me to tell you no, I'm not going to tell you no. Please bring people over. So just that whole just open mindset. Like there was always people coming in our house, out of our house. Uh, my parents were like that with all of us kids. Very, very open and stuff. So hopefully that's answering your question. Uh, but but I think for me it was it was a good time because I don't I don't think I would have enjoyed. Um, yeah, I, I met my wife who. Literally in seventh grade, my first year, I've, I've been with her since seventh grade. So like, oh yeah, it's, it, I would, I wouldn't change that for the world. Right. So, you know, we've been together for, geez, I think we were talking about it today because it would be 30 and I met her when I was 13. It's going to be 17 years this year. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. So, That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, it was a good, it was a good time, but it, I go back to the fact that I had that foundation, right? Like, you know, my parents taught us how to respect people, how to uh, respect our elders, right? To to have, to learn to control your emotions, right? Um, to respect people who don't believe what you believe, right? Every, every person is loved, should be cared for, um, has purpose, has value. So like, I don't know, it just had a lot of core values that were instilled in me that it was very easy to transition into a a more social setting like school every day, if that makes sense. And then I got to do fun things like, you know, compete in sports and things like that. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, so you go on this trip when you're 17 and this kind of, I think segues into the journey and, and you really living your passion and sharing that with others. So you go on this trip, you said you were hooked, you were hooked with basically exploring, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was just like, I, I need to see everything. I want to see everything. I want to touch everything. I want to mm -hmm. hike everything. I want to climb everything. Yeah. I want to photo everything. I want to video everything. Yeah. Just so you started going, did you, did you kind of focus on national parks first or just whatever was interesting to you? Yeah. I think for, it was kind of easy. Cause it was like national parks, like, you know, boom, like it's big, it's there. You don't have to do a ton of research from a standpoint of like, Oh yeah, just, just show up and shoot the, almost every park ranger is going to look at you and be like, yeah, visit these five things in the park and you'll get like a good gist. Right. So I think it was like a really good kind of like segue into my obsession for nature and, and being in it. Um, 
And and it was also kind of like the way that we were mapping things out. It's like, oh, well, there's a national park all around the road. So we'll just drive to this one, then drive to this one, then drive to this one, right? I think we're up to 62 now in the wow. in the States. Wow. That's how many that's how many there are. Did you start on YouTube to basically be able to hopefully eventually fund kind of life on the road? hundred percent. So for us, it was like, so my, my best friend, Nathan, uh, who I'm still best friends with, he lives in Dallas. Um, I convinced him to move out here. He met a great girl. He's married and he just had his first kid literally a couple weeks ago. So oh, amazing. it's been, it's been pretty cool. Um, but sorry, long tangent aside, he, he want like loved video was learning it and then wanted loved acting and wanted to go to school for it. Uh, and so it's kind of like, we had, we had him who was kind of like already an amateur novice trying to figure kind of video out. Uh, my brother, uh, who is a graphic design, uh, he was a graphic design major. He, you know, studied photography, all sorts of things. And then me, which was kind of like push everything along and like, I got the vision, I got the dream, let's go, 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 go type of thing. And then my wife kind of came in later on because it was like, uh, what you guys are doing is cool. I really want to do it too. And then, you know, obviously she got hooked once we started doing it. So I, I pretty much had to self -taught, taught myself photography, videography, all that stuff over the last eight years. But Nate, it was like, we're going to film and guys, we can do this. We'll post it on YouTube. We'll go viral and then we'll all become famous. And then we can just travel the world. Right. Like that was kind of like, okay. like our vision. Uh, right. and, uh, it doesn't always work out like that. So, but that's okay. Like we've learned so many things, but at the time we knew nothing about socials and marketing and how to sell yourself to brands and all that stuff. It was literally just like, we're funny we're creative. We can do this. Like we're willing to do it. We're young. Why not? And uh, so that's kind of literally how we started and we posted on YouTube. Yeah. So you started on YouTube and now make sure I have these numbers, right? Lucas. So your Instagram is 115,000. TikTok, you've grown it to about 260, 250. 250,000. Yeah, no, it's actually like 218. I want to say okay. something like that. Okay. Yeah. So start on YouTube, obviously you're doing stuff on socials. I want to, I do want to transition over to like business kind of mindset of it first, or kind of the entrepreneurial side a little bit, because it takes work and dedication to grow to those numbers. And then I want to talk about maybe monetizing those, because I think that's where we can, there's a whole bunch of value in this episode, but I think a lot of people are thinking and have that dream and, and are realizing that they can do anything that they want. Years ago, I used to to tell the kids that worked at my bakery that like, if you have a passion for Ninja Turtles, you can go, <laughs> you can go and you can actually make a viable business talking about Ninja Turtles. Gary Vee talks about this all the time, right? I was just going to say, he says it all the time. He's like, you could be happy with talking about Ninja Turtles and making 50,000 a year. Or you can go and work a desk job at a corporate place and make 80, but you're miserable. Yes. And he uses a few more explicitives along the way in there, but, but, but yes, does. that's it. That's the, that's the general gist, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you've grown this to, to these numbers and, um, which is incredible. So I want to talk, I want to hear a little bit about how you did that, how you kind of transitioned from maybe the YouTube content or how to Instagram and then TikTok. I, I'm interested to hear how long you've been on TikTok, but let's, let me just leave it at that question. Cause I'll get too many. <laughs> so talk to me about growing your brand and how you've been doing that. 
over the last yeah, however so, long you've been focusing you know, on TikTok and Gram and stuff. And, and YouTube, we we still have a couple million views on YouTube, which is which is actually That's really awesome. good. But oh my gosh! But yeah. YouTube is is it's a whole different beast in itself. Uh, you'd actually be surprised at how much money we've actually made on YouTube for how small of subscribers we have. Mm-hmm. Now I have ad revenue. Hit, yeah, very ad revenue driven. And then okay. when we did our when we did our RV trip, we had that completely sponsored by. Um, the company that we literally, so we rented an RV and the company that was representing that RV, I talked to literally one of their sales managers for the entire country. And they literally gave us a very, very handsome um, thing to pretty much promote um, their RV brand while we were on the road. So and and they did a lot of like YouTube. They did a lot of you. That was very centered towards YouTube because they okay. wanted people to have more uh, big media content. They weren't so much as focused as short form content. They wanted us to do like a review of the RV. You know, us setting it up, kind of teaching people, educating people, like even young people. Like, hey, you can buy an RV. It's not just for some sixty five year old, right? That's retired. Yeah. So. Um, there, you can still make money on, on YouTube, even if it's not huge. I want to spend time on this. Was that one of your first bigger deals? I would say, I would say that was probably one of our bigger deals. And that, that summer was really when I realized, okay, there's traction on multiple outlets. Why am I not pushing the monetization of it so much? And at the time I was working, I'm, you know, I was working a full-time job and, and so I, I wasn't able to devote as much time as I wanted, but the pandemic happened, right? And it was kind of like everybody was locked in their house. And, you know, my family, we were like, like, we're not going to just sit around. Now we lived in Texas, so we didn't lock down like other people, but still, it was still like, you know, all right, we don't want to sit around in the 105 degree heat all summer. So we just grabbed an RV and left for 35, 40 days. Okay. I want to break this down. I think this is insanely valuable and interesting because this is the stuff I've wondered about a lot is A, how to monetize YouTube and then B, how to start collabing with brands. So at the time, um, because I think someone will ask in the comments, but approximately how many subscribers on YouTube would you say you had or how many views at the time All right, to me, pitch this? Yeah, let me let me ballpark. Um, Any I guess is fine. Say, yeah, I want to say it was like somewhere between 3,000 to 3,500. So it was not a lot at all. Okay. At the time, the TikTok was really taking off. I had well over 100,000 uh, followers on TikTok. Instagram, I, I want to say it was only like 10, 12,000 at the mm-hmm. time. Because our Instagram really has taken off in the last year or so. So I just, did you? I, fi- I figured it out, but it took me a while. Because <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's learning by doing. Like each of them have a code, right? Like each of them have a code, and once you learn to crack the code, you have to repeat the code. Yes. So like I know what I have to do now that now that I'm I literally I'm. 100% all in on the journey. Like this is my lifestyle now. Okay. Like this is how I'm going to create bread for my family. Growing the brand and leaning Growing into the brand the, and everything. Okay. And monetizing. I, yes. Like, and making a living out of it. Okay. Yes. I know, I know how to get my YouTube to hundred thousand subscribers. Like I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the time or the, or the means to do it 
while I was working full time. Just right. it just was impossible. So so for back us, to this like, how you got yeah. this. Oh, I'm sorry, your audio is no, no, out. you're fine. I was just gonna say like we would we would take our trips like any off time we had, a weekend here, a weekend there, and we would try and go to create content so that we could keep things kind of going right we're like mm-hmm. instagram tiktok like short form content you can make all day every day you can find something around your house to be creative on but like youtube content it's like i can't say here's the top five things to do in glacier national park and not be in glacier national park you know what i mean right. it's like you got your butt's got to be there and mm-hmm. you got to create the content so that's kind of the differences uh, and now that i have that freedom now it's like I'm very excited to see what we can do on the YouTube side because I know I understand it. I just haven't been able to do it as much as I wanted. If that I'm, I'm insanely excited to watch. Like I, 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 it's one of my favorite things to actually observe people doing and executing, especially something that they're passionate about. So I'm, I'm so excited to follow along and I hope we could do a round two and get an update on all your, all your progress and hard work. So I, I, and we'll do it in person. All right. Yes, we'll absolutely. In, in Zion, my tiny houses. Done. So that's Zion National Park, y'all. <laughs> All right. So I got I got to spend time on this RV thing because I think it's I think there's something here that's just intriguing. So how did you did you go reach out to them and go pitch them? Yeah. So we found a local company uh, that rented RVs. OK, we went over to them. I pitched the idea to them. And they were kind of in, but they were kind of flaky. Um, and I was like, you know what? Bump this, man. What what brand are we? What brand are we renting? And so I just bypassed the the renters and went straight to the thing. And I said, yes. hey, I'm renting an RV. Okay, it's the pandemic. People don't know what the heck to do. And I don't know if you know this, but Outdoorsy is a very very large um, RV rental company. Yes, they do like. They do, uh, you know, B-level campers, C-level campers, the the A, mo- I mean, they do all of them, okay? Everything from trailers to up. It's kind of like Airbnb or Turo for it is. campers. I mean, that's literally the best way to yeah, describe it. we've used it before. They're great. So mm-hmm. anyways, they came out with a study in 2020, okay? The rentals went off the chain. They had over 2 million people rent a, a, some type of RV, whatever class it was, for the first time. So like we were one of those people from a standpoint of like for a big RV rental. So this company was like, hey, we are seeing an uptick because people are going, well, I can't go and travel. I can't go into a hotel. I can't do that. Well, what can I do? Well, you can have a little mini house and pull right up to a campsite, plug in and you can go see the national parks. And everyone didn't realize, oh, America's kind of pretty. And then all of a sudden they're all stuck and they're sitting in their office and they're like, uh, honey, get the kids in the car or let's go get an RV and let, let's go do yeah. something because this is terrible, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of just kind of hit the two waves at the, at the right time. And I said to them, I was like, look, man, like you're going to have people who are complete novices and I'm going to have to learn all of this on the fly. And we're going to look like absolute noobs to start. But by the end of it, we're going to be experts because mm-hmm. that's how we roll, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And trust me, there were some funny stories. We accidentally hit one button. My wife just accidentally hit it. There was a button by the door. Had no idea what it did. It turned off all the electrical. So all the toilets, everything was off. And so we're mm-hmm. calling the RV rental like, like, what is happening? Nothing works in the RV. Like yeah. we thought, like it's it's breaking down. 
And the guy's like, all right, I don't know. This might be one thing, but let's try it. He's like, check that button by the door. My wife flips the switch and like everything comes back on. So like, <laughs> like I said, like we were noobs. We didn't know anything, right? But they got all of that live. So you can go and look at our YouTube and go and look at our RV um, playlist. And you'll see day one, us like looking like chickens with head cuts off. And then literally at the end of it, when we do our full RV tour, I mean, I'd have, I'd have been able to tell you every single piece on that that uh, thing, which was really cool, right? So well, was that part of the pitch to the to the sales? Yeah, back? and so it was. Uh, how, what else? What were other some key points that you did to convince them, like, to take a bet on you guys? Because this was okay. This was twenty twenty, a couple years ago. Uh, some a young family going on a road trip. Uh, and you have YouTube content, but you've never done anything really like this before. Right. So if the exec went like just did their due diligence, they could see like you haven't really done from what no. I understand something like this before. So what other points did you use to sell them on this idea to take a bet on you? And then how did you kind of structure that deal? Yeah. Ultimately, I said to them, I said, what what exactly do you want out of it? Right. Mm -hmm. So what is it that that you are looking to garner? And I think a lot of times, you know, when you're pitching a brand, you'll just come in and be like, all right, here's four short form content. I'll give you five photos. And then we'll do a shout out on our story. Good. And you didn't even ask them what they wanted because they might come in and just say, I just want a blog. Yes. And it's like, we'll give you the same thing. Just give me a blog. And like, okay. So, so I'm kind of giving him the thing. And then at the end, I literally was like, ask him what he wants. So I was like, what is it that you want? He's like, I want a full review video and I want a blog. And I was like, well, I have, I have my Instagram. I have my TikTok. He's like, I really don't care about that. And then you know what I said to him? I said, because you're taking a chance on me, I'm going to still create a bunch of content and I'm going to plaster it on my other socials because you're willing to take a chance on me. Under promise, over deliver. And then Huge. literally by the end of it, he said to me, and I quote, he said, Lucas, anytime you want to do another trip like this, you let me know and we'll take care of you. So it's like, amazing. You got to understand like we, it is a business. I get that. Like, like you want to like write down numbers. It's got to be this. The contract has to say this. I get all that, right? But a lot of times as, as content creators, we're so scared to give more value uh, than, than literally what we're quoting them because one, we think we're wasting our time or it's too much work or you're devaluing yourself by doing it. There's so many excuses that we come up with. Ultimately, it's like, that's just not the type of person I am, right? Like, like I go above and beyond because that's how I was taught to be, mm -hmm. right? I'm the kid that goes to the event and then when I see people breaking down the chairs, I don't just leave. I break down the chairs with them and I go mm -hmm. put the, the chairs in the corner, right? Because it's like, no, let's speed this up, right? Let's, let's, let's help these people go home. So like you got to put yourself in the mindset of an executive and these, these other people that are, that are writing the checks and making the decisions. You can just do the bare minimum, fine. That's great. And then you can put it on your portfolio and then you can put it on your little uh, media kit and everything's good. I got that brand. Cool. On to the next one. Or you can go above and beyond and really build a relationship and give somebody. And look, I'm not saying I'm not saying do all your work for free and all that stuff. That's that's not what I'm getting at here. Uh, but I gave him easily uh, another million impressions through my various uh, channels because I, I decided to do that for them. That was something I wanted to give. So, well, I think that that strategy, I honestly believe will always win because relationships in business and in life firm believer in this, that they are everything. And, um, 
and, and don't just approach it with, with what am I going to get out of it? <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get what you want that way. I do not think, but whenever I've approached a situation with what can I give? And that's what I've really been thinking about a lot on this podcast is, is how can I create value for my guests? So that's why I'm going to tell people right now, I haven't even mentioned this. That's why for all my guests now I do, I'm going to send one to three short clips that they can post, uh, anywhere they want to just as a thank you. What I love that you did is over, over deliver hundred percent. And then one thing that Gary V said when he was here that I think you'll appreciate, I did a little clip on this on my story, but he said, I don't care who you are in this room. You are in the business of marketing and either you're, you know, you're, you're selling, uh, yourself to a company to get hired. You're pitching an RV exec to get your first brand deal. You're trying to convince someone to go on a date with you. You are in the business of marketing and sales. And what you did there was the perfect sales question is, is you don't know until you ask someone how to, you don't know how to pitch someone until you ask them what they need and to solve that need. That to me is such a huge question that I think a lot of people forget. And, and I think, tell me if, if you've seen this with other people that you're working with, or perhaps you've slipped into this slightly and, and then come back out of it. But I do think people get in their own world of thinking that they are providing all the value. They are just the bee's knees is how I'll yeah. put it for this podcast right now. And they just, and they come with those media kits. We've had a lot of people just approach us for thirst, just hand over their media kit. Say, this is what I'm going to give you and not ask us what we want. But why do you think, why do you think people do that? And then one, what as a, as a content creator, who's maybe been doing it for a while, who might be listening to this, how can they pull themselves out of that? Like what questions do they ask themselves? I'm, I'm going to be as honest as I can. You need to stop being so selfish. Mm, truth. You need to stop being so selfish because ultimately it's, we're such a me society. It's all about us. We don't really care about giving to others. It's not really about we, we can write it on our media kit or put it on our website or whatever about, oh, you know, the betterment of society. But really, it's like, no, like, I have a million followers, so this is what you're going to do for me. And it's like, I told you this on the phone when we had a conversation. I said, the new currency is our uh, is retention. And Gary Vee talks about it a lot, right? But you are going to be who you are at a million followers that you were at 10,000. Mm-hmm. It's just going to heighten who you are. And so if, if to the core, if I'm selfish and I only care about myself, as, as our business continues to grow, as more people jump onto our brand and the journey, I'm just going to reflect what I already was. So if you're being selfish from the get-go, well, yeah, you're not going to be surprised when you've got 300, 400,000 followers and a brand comes to you and it's like, well, here's the terms and that's it, Right. And, you know, I did a job for a company this week because uh, I do freelance stuff while I'm not traveling. Just, you know, you got to pay the bills. Right. And mass, massive company. They did $785 million in sales last year. Okay. And they were opening a brand new facility in the area. And I shot their whole executive team kind of doing the ribbon cutting of the, uh, the new building. Right. I'm not in the commercial space. It's just something that I can do. And they were like, we only need 50 photos. And I'm like... I'm like 30 minutes into this shoot and I go over to my guy who was my contact. I said, Dave, I love your brother. You ain't going to be able to pick 50 photos out of this. I was there for two hours. I shot 800 photos for them. Mm-hmm. Right. And he came to me and said, he said, Lucas, I really didn't know what to expect. 
and you've been here for 30 minutes and I already know we're going to get whatever we need from you. Mm. Because of the impression that I gave to them, I showed up an hour early. I was, I came, I did a 30 minute uh, meeting with their executive team for that particular building to walk through the entire game plan so that they knew exactly. I asked them, what exactly do you want? What shots do you want? What is most important? If I only gave you one photo, what's one Mm. photo I cannot screw up on this shoot? And it was like, you can't screw up the ribbon cutting, right? So like I knew going in, I was like, "Uh, Lucas, your shutter speed better be right when you go to click for the ribbon cutting because you do not want blurred faces, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So, and that's like, that's where the heightenedness comes in and you got to realize, okay, get the client what they want. But we just have this mentality where it's like, it's them and it's us. And I just get me mm. and you get you because you're big and rich instead of like, no, like this person now I have a relationship with. I'm connected. Yes. He said to me after, he's like, Lucas, anytime we need work done in the area, I'm calling you first. And if you're if you're home and not traveling, I'd love to have you. That was that was because of the relationship I built in a short week, two week period of time. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm trying to tell you content creators. OK, this is me speaking to you. You have to bring that same mentality to your talking to brands. And if you don't bring the business side, there are thousands of photographers and videographers better than me. I'm I am I'm man enough to admit it. Okay, I'm still learning my craft. All right. I'm pretty good. I'm I'm not, you know, I don't talk down on my skills. I I I'm confident in who I am, but I know there are plenty of people that are way more talented than I am from a standpoint of shooting photos, videoing. But I'm very good on the business side. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident on that. And there are people who are way more successful in photography, content creation, whatever you want to call it, but they might not be great actual creators, but they know how to deal with companies. They know how to sell themselves. They know how to market themselves. And so I'm not telling you to get rid of this and just do the business side, but you it's got to be a mesh. Otherwise, you could have hundreds of thousands of followers and you're just not going to get you're not going to get any deals or you're not going to be able to make the thing you want a lifestyle if you don't know how to monetize it right. So. Absolutely. And it's so much about relationships. Ethan, my business partner, and I talk about this all the time. He's heading up our, our company. We started in 2016. <laughs> it's a good year. Yeah. Uh, 2016. And uh, we talk about this all the time is as a leader, you're in the relationship business. As a leader, you are maintaining your team members to hopefully retain them and stay and it's all about the relationships. And I'm so intrigued to see how many more deals and, and um, freelance work you get because you went above and beyond. And I think something that I really want the listeners to hear in what you said, that whole last be- piece was just incredible and fire. So re-listen to that. But what Lucas did was ask that question, what, what picture can I not mess up? <laughs> what, like, I can't tell you how many jobs I've done Uh, I've done some photography stuff, a little bit of video. I've done some consulting and left the interaction and my customer wasn't happy because I didn't ask that question. I I have asked it every single client I do. I do my work with because ultimately if you go into it with, well, I'm the creative, so they're just going to have to deal with what they get instead of, hmm, let me try and not necessarily try and get myself in their head to figure it out, right? Now, I'm not saying to box yourself in creatively, right? Like 
I got to pick the angle of where the shot was. I got to pick the different exposure I wanted. I got to choose, do I want this more blue or do I want it more orange in my coloring? Do I want to focus more on their upper bodies or their lower bodies? Do I want a full shot? So like you mm -hmm. try and convince yourself they're limiting my creativity. It's like, no, they're not. You just have to not miss the ribbon cutting shot. So yep. take your skill set and don't miss the shot. It's mm -hmm. as simple as that. Mm -hmm. So it's like with the RV guys, it's like, what do you want? I want a killer review video and I want a killer blog. And I told him, I said, I can link the blog back to the review video. He said, that would be perfect. Mm -hmm. So I knew going into it, the dude's paying literally for all of our gas for the entire trip. I knew going into it, okay, I got to do a really good review video and I have to do a really good blog and I got to link it back to the video, right? So I did a 25 minute review video of going through every single piece of the, of of the car or the, the RV. But guess what I decided? Cause I talked to my wife. I said, Kels, if we do this review video at the, at the start, we'll sound like absolute idiots. We don't even know. I don't even know how to get the thing out of park. All right. So why would we do that? That would mm -hmm. be dumb. Okay. Yeah. Then we're going to create that and then give it to the client. It will look like buffoons. Mm -hmm. That's not going to help them. They so I didn't said, have you back. No, they wouldn't ask you to do more. Joe and Dumps. I don't, and I don't blame them. All right. So I said, we're going to film it when we get back home because we're going to be experts at that point. Mm -hmm. So we said the disclaimer, it was like, Hey guys, we literally just did a 35, 40 day RV trip. We know everything about this vehicle that we know to take it out on the road. And we're going to show you guys exactly how you could do it too. Right. Mm. And then we just went right into it. So don't, you don't want to set yourself up for failure either, right? Like a lot of times you're like, oh, I'm just trying to get a client. And then you're like, you're not skilled enough to do it. Well, give yourself opportunities to succeed so that you can use your talents, your gifts, your abilities to then make it an actual lifestyle, right? Uh, and make a living with it rather than just forcing something that you know isn't there. Mm -hmm. So I 100% I encourage people, it's not about boxing yourself in but you better know what the client wants, right? Like I had a, another client that was a coffee brand and it was like, they gave me some of their stuff for free and then they were gonna pay me for content. And it was like, what is it that you need? And they were like, we are lacking socials for Instagram with our product in nature, done, okay. That, so you know, like that's all I needed. Mm -hmm. And then I went out and it was like four or five different national parks, couple state parks, cool roads. We got a bunch of shots for them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you just gotta, you gotta humble yourself. It's not all about you. you this person's literally paying you, right? So let's, let's work with them and let's ask them what their expectation is so that then you can do a killer job and use your creativity to kill it. And then you get references. And then they're telling their friends about you and yeah. And then they're willing to write you a review, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, I would, I'd love to, to shout out your company and say I'd work with you again. So mm -hmm. it's just things I've learned and trust me, I've done it. I've done it wrong too. So <laughs> it's not all, it's not all sunshine, right? There are times <laughs> are, I, I messed up plenty of times. Okay? Those are valuable and expensive lessons in my, in my experience, Absolutely. but, but ones Absolutely. you never forget. <laughs> I think, I think one thing for, for people who are just starting to build their brand too if you don't have money coming in to yet to try to remember to be grateful, uh, because people are giving you their attention as well. 
So do not forget that. If you are building up your brand and creating content, think about what value can I provide to these people to because they're giving me some of their attention or to be even willing to give me their attention. And then that can grow from there. And then pretty soon you will have paid clients and customers. Yeah. And I know like, that's the easy thing. Oh, you know, well, you're, it's easy for you to say you're making money when you're doing stuff. That's, I get it, but I was on the other side. Right. And you have to realize that the attention is the currency. Mm -hmm. It's going to flip eventually, but you have to be gritty enough and determined enough to get it from one side of the street to the other. Otherwise you're going to end up staying on one side of the road. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and look like we work jobs. Like we just decided like this is going to be something we save up for and do when we have free time. Right. So whatever your thing is, it's like, if you got to work nine to five to pay your bills, like nobody's saying to just sell everything and live in a box and like, Oh, my dreams will just like magically, you know, appear. It just doesn't work like that. Right. And, and look, some people, they take their phone, they post one thing, it blows up and their whole life changes. All right. That happens once every million, if that, okay. That's not, it might be one, it might be once every 10 million. I'm not sure. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Most people would look at my account and think, Oh man, you must be just bringing in the dough. And it's like, no, like I still have to work very hard to, to make this a living. And, and, uh, that's with attention and that's with following. Right. So it's like, don't kid yourself. It's not easy. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to say, and I'm not, woe is me either. Like I, I love what I'm doing. I'm very excited to, to step into. I think there's this perception or at least has been in the past that, Oh, I'm just going to become a YouTube, uh, I'm going to become a YouTuber. And a lot of kids in my kids class want to become YouTubers. And I love that. I love that. I love that they can see the vision on that. Um, a lot of people just think I'll, I'll, I'll just record, but it takes work. It is a, it is a significant amount of work and diligence, but the opportunities there I think are, are so, so fun and exciting. So, so you're getting some brand deals and now your focus is really, you said you're going all in on your brand, the journey, uh, and you can find them on TikTok website. We'll, we'll link all of the socials and talk about them at the end as well. But let's talk about your strategy for that because you're going to be continuing posting from what I understand the content that you were doing on the journey, but you're trying to become, let me make sure I phrase this right. You're focusing more on getting on content creation for other brands too. Is that, is am I hearing that right? Or what are you, let me just have you say it, Lucas, what are you focusing on with the journey now? You said you're all in. So what is the focus now? And yeah, the big, the big focus for, for me, uh, specifically realizing the, the attentions there, people are watching, people are looking, how do I turn those eyeballs into actual physical monetization? Right. And mm-hmm. I've, I've done it, right? I've, I've worked with, with tons of brands. I, um, I'm at a point now where like, if I'm in a certain part of the country and like, for example, we wanted to go on an excursion, right? Like whitewater rafting or uh, kayaking out to, I don't know, see the whales or whatever. I have enough of a following now that I pretty much will not get a no for that. Okay. So like getting cool content is a lot more accessible because of the work that we put in where I can link up with other businesses and end up on some ATV in some desert to get really cool content because of the following I have. That makes sense? Now, when I was at, you know, 
5,000 on Instagram, it's kind of like, yeah, okay, you t- you and 500 other people that want a free day out in the, the desert with ATVs. So I know, I know kind of where we are from a standpoint of like level of monetization where a lot of my stuff can be comped. I can create content for businesses that will then put, give me money back. Okay. What I have discovered is, and this is, this is important for creators, user generated content is huge right now because what's happening is a lot of these companies, you know, specifically in the outdoor field. Okay. I don't know how it is with, with other brands, but they don't want to have to pay their own employees to go out, to go create content for them. They got to pay their airfare. They got to pay their hotel. They got to pay this. They got to, you know what I'm saying? They got to pay them the stipend every day, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it racks up. It's a lot cheaper for them to link up with somebody like me who I'm like, dude, I'm already climbing the 10,000 foot mountain and I'm working with two other brands. Do you need some, do you need your sleeping bag shot in the back country? Right. Do you need your sunglasses featured near a cool crystal lake or by the beach or whatever it is, right? Examples. And they're going, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot cheaper of an investment for me to just, and I can get it faster than having to have the team prep. And and look, a lot of those companies, they still have marketing teams. All right. I'm not saying they're not doing that stuff, but they are always in need of content. Yes. So it's really finding what your niche is and then shrinking that down. I literally have written out, I have a note. I, I could show it to you right now. All right, what are all the brands you want to work with? What's all the dream brands you want to work with? And then you just, you got to, you got to just talk to them. You got to find a way to get to the person that you need to communicate with that makes the decisions, that signs yes. the checks. And I know if I get in a conversation like this with them, it's over. I just got to get it to this stage and then I can sell myself. I can sell my services. I can sell the brand. So you've got to realize like, as a, as a creator on your side, you got to, there's sponsorships, there's generated content. Those are like your two big ones, or there's some type of direct monetization if you have a product, right? So like if I was selling a, a ball cap, right? So like I have a million followers and everybody wants a ball cap from Lucas. So I make $20 every hat. Well, we kind of went out and it was like, we're going to get YouTube famous, make the YouTube videos, create some merch and everybody will want to wear the journey. Well, just not how it happened. Okay. So if you go on our website, you're going to be like, this kind of looks like a merchandise company. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, that's because that's how we phrased it. So the, and we didn't have the, the funds, the time to completely shift it. And I'm in the place now where it's like, nope, I know what I can do. I know the content creation we can make and the level that we can make it and the quality we can make it. So we're doing a whole rebrand for us. Okay. All of it's going to shift. We'll, we'll have some swag. If you want to buy a t-shirt or something, you know, you can go on our website and buy it. That's great. But first you're coming to me because you want to see the amazing places that we go to. You want the tips that I give about traveling. You want the travel hacks. That's what you're, that's what you're following me for. You're not following me for a t-shirt. And so we just had to come to the realization and swallow our pride to go, yeah, we need to just, we need to do this. It needs to be done because that's what's going to make us a living, not selling coffee mugs and tote bags, right? It's just not, it's just not resonating. People are coming to my site to go look at my blog. People are coming to my site to then go to look at my videos. People are coming to my site to learn about us. They're not coming to my site to go to my merch line. You see what I'm saying? Yes. So it's like, if you're, if you keep forcing something into that's not working, 
you're killing yourself. And as a business owner, you've got to pivot. And so if I want to make this a reality for me and my family, which I know we can, I have to pivot. It needs to Mm -hmm. be a whole rebrand of like, hey, look, you can come and get my services. I have a camera. I'll travel anywhere. And I'm willing to shoot anything for you to create high-level, world-class content that you can use for your brand. And you can either do it through sponsorship where you get me, you get all my personality and all the fun that comes with it. Or I could just create it for you in the dark, hand it to you, and your marketing team crops it and cuts it up and uses it for whatever marketing purposes you have. So there's just a lot of avenues. If anyone listening to this has any brains at all, you would take the last two sentences that Lucas said and use it as your pitch. 100%. Like, like, and you could, and you can use it for anything else. What you just said was such fire and, and it was so, it was articulated so well. That would catch my attention. If you were to message me about my tiny houses and, uh, because I was thinking about how to link that, how to link someone cold approaching someone and really convincing them to do it. But if you were to do that and say exactly what you just said, I will create world-class content for your tiny homes and either I'll represent it and you can sponsor me, or I will hand over the content, you white label it and put it on your thing. And, and it's all laid out in front of me and clear and simple, huge. Every time. And, and I will say one thing that you said too, that I've, I've actually done that I think more people should realize is I've done the same thing with my tiny houses in that I've contacted people who I know are traveling or into it and I needed and know how to work a camera. And I, and I would, I would kind of reverse it. I would say, Hey, come stay in my tiny house. Uh, if you leave a five-star review, I'll refund your entire stay. And I just want some content that I can use. And if, if you, I phrase it like this for a couple of them, cause I'm still testing. I phrase it like this. I said, if you like it enough to post a story about it, please do. And if not, please let me know how I can make the experience better. So there's huge opportunities there. And I like that you mapped out how you're kind of approaching that and doing that. And, and I, this is another reason why I think that, uh, we will be long-term friends, but you said pivot. That was the word that was popping in my head the whole time that I love about your story is your, and, and your savvy and your business partner's savvy, uh, is that you guys were able to pivot, pivot from what I could see a few different times in your journey that has made all the difference and has fueled the passion and has allowed you to laser in and focus and go all in on this thing. And that's hugely valuable and something I think people should take note of. Here's here's what happens if you don't pivot. Okay. I'm going to tell you what happens. You're going to continue doing what you're doing. You won't see results. And then you're going to get burned out. You'll get burned out. And then hundred percent, you'll come back and be like, well, it just didn't work out. It didn't, you know, I, I guess I'm a failure whatever. It's like, no, right? Like, look, it, I'm not saying the, I'm not saying the American Idol guy that came on, you know, she bangs, she moves, like, and everyone was telling him, like, you're a good singer, right? Okay, like, you're not a good singer, all right. That's not what I'm trying to say here. Like, if you grab a camera and and you take a photo and the whole screen is white and you don't know how to fix that, you're not going to make it, all right. That's that's what I'm getting at. But if you keep posting something or you're driving home merch and not a soul. You've got 10,000 visitors to your site every week and ain't a soul buying a t-shirt. You got to have a long, cold, hard look in the mirror and go, that's not how you're going to make a living there, Lucas. You ain't going to feed your baby and your wife selling hats and cups. It's just not right. happening. 
because it's not it's not resonating. But why are they at the site? They're at the site because of your content, because of your personality, because of your tips, because of your 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 vision, because of your passion, because of your the things you're giving them. So give them more of that, and the money side of that will come. You've got to find the other creative ways to do it. So. Um, yeah, I just think in, in, in life and, and, you know, you could say in business too, but in life too, sometimes you got to pivot, man. If it's not working, you gotta, you gotta figure out a new way to make it work. So, um, I'm adapt, very, very excited. Die. <laughs> yeah. I'm very excited to see kind of where it goes. And, you know, now that, now that I am all in and it is my thing, it's, it's kind of, you put yourself in a, in a mode of a lot of people. It's like, oh, it's desperation. Like my back's against the wall. So I'm, it's make it or die. And it's like, for me, this actually helps me. Cause it's like, this, the, it's the motivation I need. Or it's like, yeah, because guess what? Ultimately, if you did fail, then you're going to have to come to terms that either you didn't work hard enough or it just, it just didn't stick. Right. And I, I can live with that. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. And I'm willing to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for a lot of people, they just won't try. And I refuse to have the regret over my shoulders of not, of not trying. I just, I won't do it. So that is the one thing that probably motivates me most in life is potentially having regrets. And I make a lot of decisions based on that. And if I'm getting stuck, I actually ask myself <laughs> that question a lot. Like, am I going to regret this when I'm 80? Am I going to regret doing this thing or not doing this thing? And I think what you're saying too, like we're talking a lot about monetizing and that type of thing, but even if you're doing something because you love it, but you need funds for it, like this will apply. Even if you're just doing something because you love it, uh, and not going to f- fund it, a lot of these principles still apply to, um, 100%. to hopefully reach your end, to hopefully reach your end goal. hundred percent. Cause I could easily find a, a full-time job, right? And then do my journey stuff when I have free time or the weekends and continue to do that. Or I could go all in, I could jump in the deep end and see, you know what? I know that I can make it work. I just got to do it more consistently from a standpoint of, yeah, all my attention is in on it now. And it is about turning my passion into something that is actually not only a lifestyle, but something that is, you know, funding my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead of, well, it's just a really, really cool hobby. And I, I wouldn't say we're a hobby, but we've never really been at that point. I mean, we're official business. Like we've been mm-hmm. in business since 2016, but like really making it and taking that leap. And I think for a lot of people, like even if it's one person that needs to hear that, like you got to do it. You yes. got to do it. Yeah. What I love about your story too, is that you are, I'm so many things, but that you are doing what you're passionate about. Like, and now you're just figuring out a way to fund that more continually to continue to live the life that you want to do what you love to inspire others, to help create that passion for others. And it's just, it's super exciting. And I'm very, very excited to watch this next phase. I have one technical question that I can't help, but ask, are you going to approach your content output differently now? on any of your socials or is that going to stay the same? And then behind the scenes, you're going to be pitching brands. Like, for example, do you think that you're ever going to go on your story and be like, Hey, if you're a brand that wants to content DM me? Yeah. And I think this, this is a great question. Okay. You know, a really good way to look at it is look in your niche and look at people in your industry that are already doing it for a living. Okay. And then you see kind of what are they doing? 
All right, so there's a couple of people in my space that are fantastic. But when you go on their Instagram, you go on their TikTok, it's too perfect for me. It's too much of a, a, of a gallery. Mm. My personality, I'm not, I'm not a perfect gallery type of person. You are getting, you are getting my personality. You're going to get my fire, my passion. I want to be on the screen to sell your thing, right? I don't want it to just be like this poetic walk out into the, the space, huge mountain in the background. You get the slow-mo shot. They're like Those are all cool. I can do all that, right? But for me, it's more about like, hey, does, do these sunglasses actually work when you're hiking? Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you the real it works or it doesn't, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think it's more relational. And I think it has more authenticity so that when you are pitching to brands, it's like, no, I'm not going to give you the quote unquote, you know, perfect cookie cutter like shot. If that's what you want, great. I can create that. But if you're going to do a sponsorship with me, like if you want to put my name on it, I'm going to bring my flair to try and get my audience that's following me. They're following me for that reason. Right. That that authenticity. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's really a matter of goes back to our first part, being okay of like humbling yourself, asking them what they want. Right. Once they give you that answer, it's like, I want your sponsor because I want your fire. I want your passion. Cool. All right. Let's create something or just create content for me. Like I want the I want the world class stuff and I'll I'll re-edit it or whatever the case may be. So for me, my output is going to, it's going to be a little bit of both, right? Because I want to mm. sell myself on both sides, right? Yeah. I don't have, a, I don't have a problem saying on my story, hey, I'd love to work with brands, right? Or like I, uh, I had this realization this week. I was like, Shh, I've been doing videos on some of the small um, projects I've been working on just locally here in Dallas. And, you know, like I worked with that big company and I said to myself, I was like, all right, I'm going to video like come out, come along with me and I'm going to shoot a a client for a $785 million client, right? That sounds really, that sounds like a good hook, right? For the first three seconds, people are like, ooh, that's kind of interesting. Ooh, he's got credibility. You shot for, right? So again, I, I get the game. But then I thought to myself, well, they're not necessarily a travel brand. So am I hurting myself by posting mm. about it? And then I sit there and I go, what the heck do I care? What the heck do I care? Right. Of course, I want to be in the travel brand and, and, and be that be the focus. But you need content. Right. I saw this morning. I was literally going to the bathroom. I got out of the bathroom. I grabbed my phone. Gary Vee posted a video about him talking with D-Rock and him about condiments on hot dogs. Literally, it was they were literally arguing about condiments on hot dogs. He was like, oh, you like ketchup? What kind of person are you? Like, I only like mustard and sauerkraut. And so it literally like. It hit me in the head. I was like, Lucas, what are you so worried about if you post that and you're sh- you're showing people your creativity, you're showing people your skill set, you're showing the credibility that, hey, this big company did trust you to come and shoot for them. Why wouldn't it benefit you, right? And some for some people, it's like, oh, I can't do that for the aesthetic of my page, right? And that's okay. I'm not saying the people in my field are wrong for doing that, okay? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. What I'm trying to tell you is you keep thinking the only road to success is a one lane highway. And I'm telling you there's six lanes and there's overpasses and all sorts of other turns. You, we can all be successful going whatever way it is. So find what you're comfortable with. All right. And talk about it. Like I love food. I'm a, I'm a foodie. I'm a foodie snob. I have no problem saying it. Okay. (laughs) My mom was a great cook. I am a fantastic cook. I would 
love to have you over, cook you a meal, and I guarantee you amazing. it'll taste amazing, all right? Whenever whenever we have friend party, it's always like, that Lucas is out, right? You're cooking for us. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's the rep I get, okay? But the reason why I tell you that is some of our our most viewed content on YouTube is food, food vlogs. Mm. It's food. It's literally going to cities and saying, here's the best food in Denver. Here's the best food in, in Tahoe. Mm. Here's the best food. People literally eat it up because it's like, well, what are you, when you go and visit a place, what are you usually doing? You're usually eating and you're doing the touristy things. So right. it's like, it's there. So it might not be the aesthetic travely, like, oh, I'm on the 10,000 foot mountain and, you know, I'm watching the sunrise, but like, I love it. I love mm -hmm. it. I enjoy it. I'm just as passionate about finding great food spots or trying something I've never tried that I am about taking a banger shot at sunset uh, in, in the mountains or at the beach or a surfer or whatever the case may be. So it's like, it's things I'm interested in and I don't want to box myself in too much where it's like, oh, you know, everything in this has to be perfectly curated and can't do anything outside the box. And it's like, I, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So I know that's an incredibly long answer, um, but hopefully it's coming across as understanding like the output and what I'm I'm going to post are the things that I love to do, but you also still, you got to feed the algorithm, right? So it's like people are following me because they want to see really cool places. So mm -hmm. I don't just all of a sudden turn into, you know, hey, I got into, you know, crochet and I'm going to show you guys my crochet collection. Like mm -hmm. that's not why they're following me. Sure. So I know, I know the game, but I just mm -hmm. don't want to necessarily stress myself out by hitting submit every single time I, I put a piece of content yeah. out. You know what I'm saying? I, I like the, the self-awareness that you have with that, because I do think a lot of people get stuck. I think most people get stuck with even starting thinking it's not good enough and oh, I'm just going to hone my skills more, or I'm going to reshoot that when really they should just be outputting the freaking content. 100%. So I love your self-awareness on that. And uh, that's one thing that I've struggled with a lot over the last couple of years because I have been following Gary Vee for a long time. And I know with part of my goals is to build some type of audience, but I want to figure out how to create value for them first. But a lot of people I've worked with or coaches I've had, or like even a brand consultant I hired once wanted me to niche down so much that I hated the thought of posting and making content. I was just like, I... But, but this week I am into crochet or this week I am baking uh, sourdough bread. This is my personal brand stuff. So I like, I really appreciate that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that, um, on your page. And I think it does take a lot of self-awareness to deploy that because it is so much work to do that, to actually upload as much content as you are doing that if you don't enjoy it, <laughs> You're going like, to be miserable. You're going to be, you're going to feel the same way as you miserable. did as that potentially that nine to five job. Cause that's what it's going to turn into. It's going to turn into a new chain. And that's what I don't want to do. I mean, literally I was in the drive through line of in and out and I'm an in and out truther. Okay. I was born in California. Well, in Texas, they love Whataburger here. All right. That's right. And, and, uh, without hurting too many Texas ears, it's, it's trash. I call it water trash. Okay. So there you oh, go. Man. I insulted a bunch of people. There you go. All right. Watch, watch you, out you, for the Texans in your comments. Exactly. But I love Texas though. Okay. But their Whataburger is not what they try and say it is. Well, I was in the drive-thru and the guy was cutting the fries. And I remember as a kid, I literally went, we visited an In-N-Out. It was one of the things we did for school and got to go through the whole thing of them like cutting the fries. And it was really, really cool. So I'm like, do you ever see Whataburger cutting, hand cutting their fries? 
And I just like did a funny voiceover and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna post this, I don't even care. Now, did I post it on my Instagram? No, I posted it as a story because I understood the medium, right? Like I don't really want my Instagram page, I do a lot of business stuff on my Instagram page. So it's like, that's not worthy of like a reel, okay? Uh, TikTok, are you kidding? TikTok is the wild west, man. You could post. Yeah. If you're struggling with with posting content, I tell people, just post it on TikTok. Literally. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like your everything median. Instagram, I try and keep as professional as possible because it, it, to me, it's it's one of my biggest money makers. And it's like a reflection of my website is kind of how yes. I view it. Okay. Yeah. So, so you got to understand your platforms, right? So like, I'm not just saying just go all out, but it was like, yeah, I want to post this. And I got people all up in the threads. All, all hurt, right? You got the in and out people that are going out. They're just like, oh yeah, hand cut fries, California all day, right? And then you got the other people who are just like, they taste like cardboard. That's what you want. It's fun. The banter's fun. The comments are fun. Like that's what it's about. But I enjoyed posting it. I had fun doing it. And I'm having fun trashing all the people trying to support what a trash. So it's like, <laughs> like that gives me life, okay? So yeah. you, you've, got to, you've got to realize those types of things, you are the one that limits yourself. So if you want to do it professional, like I get it find the different medians to make it work for you. But that was good enough for me. So that's taken a long time to get to that point. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I wasn't there. Um, and your, your, your brand coaches are right. Like if you're trying to grow a following, you are going to have to niche down to start. But when you start getting a following, they want to see your personality, right? Literally, I had a guy DM me from my post. He came from Twitter to my Instagram was like, look, man, look, man. All right. I've been following you for a while now and and your content is absolute fire, but these are fighting words. I, I don't know how to handle this. <laughs> but I would have never, I would have never had that conversation with that guy and that connection. I learned where he was from. He's from Houston. Like he grew up eating water. You know what I mean? Like we had a conversation. I would have never had that conversation with that guy if I didn't post that because I was worried about, oh my gosh, like what's this gonna make me look like? It's like, come on, man, get out of here with that. Like if I lose a brand or something because I posted about a funny thing about some fries from a fast food chain, then so be it, right? Those aren't the people well, that I want to work with anyways. And then what you can do is turn that into a TikTok or YouTube short saying how I lost a brand because I because I posted about Whataburger. Then you have more content. And then and then literally 20 other brands would come in because they're like, California all day, this Because like, And so. then in and outs in your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> you just, that's, I mean, that's literally how it works though. Like, I know that sounds funny and we're making that up, but that's, but that's usually, no. that's literally how it works. So there's no such thing. You know, I, I, our thing is very kid friendly. So, you know, some people, they, they post things that are inappropriate, but in, in my sphere, it's like, there's really nothing bad to post. It can always turn to something good. You know, like I posted, I, I lost one of my best friends a year ago and I posted on my, my Instagram story and I put on there a, a question and I've just have tons of people talking about loved ones that they lost um, unexpectedly. And I have, I wouldn't have been able to have that connection if I didn't mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to be super, you know, like, oh, you know, keep things separate, I would have never said, I would have never posted that, right? So I just think when you, when you stop worrying so much about what people think or things like that, or like, oh, who's going to comment? And when you realize the comments just help you because it helps you in the algorithm, uh, that's that was another big shift for me. I just think you free yourself up so it doesn't feel like chains. And I, I think for me, I, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you and your listeners. I, I need to continue doing that.
one thing that often comes up in my business consulting is people don't realize how much people want to see a face behind a brand, a face behind an Instagram handle, uh, whether it be in business or a personal brand, but they want to know that there's a human there. And like with your example, with your post, um, not that you had any intention to exploit your friend's passing, but that is you and you were feeling that and you wanted to share that. That shows the human side of you that I think people connect with on an insane level. And that's why you will continue to get attention and that's how other people continue to get attention. And I don't see businesses doing it as much as they should or even personal brands doing it as much as they said they're, they're afraid, afraid of how they look on the camera or how they're going to yeah. sound or how their voice yeah. sounds. And you just, you have to. So if you have a small business, a brand that you're growing, show your face, show yourself eating that Whataburger. Tell them your opinion on it in your <laughs> stories. Make sure it's on the right place, but in your stories. And uh, you'd be amazed at how, how much connection you can get and how much fulfillment you really can, I think, for a lot of people. 100%. And I'll, and I'll add a little something to it because it, it means a little bit more to me. Uh, my good friend who passed away, he saw me go on a bunch of these trips. And he always told me, he's like, oh, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to do that someday. And my Nathan, he had his bachelor party and we went to Colorado to stay with a good friend of mine. And we had a whole, we went whitewater rafting the whole nine yards. And I convinced, I convinced him to come on the trip with us because he was pretty close with my buddy Nate. That was like his, that was like his biggest trip he's ever done outside of his honeymoon with his wife. And he took the, the sticker of his flight and put it in his wallet. Okay. And when he passed away, his wife came to me, handed me his wallet and said, I know he would have wanted you to have that sticker that from that, that tag Mm -hmm. from his, uh, from his, from his airline. And I keep that in my wallet. I literally took it off and I put it in my wallet and it's been with me now this whole year. And I use it as a reminder. And I tell you the story because there are so many people sitting listening to this podcast or just everyday life that refused to go and do the thing that they say they want to do. And it took somebody like me to get his butt on the plane to like, you need to go and enjoy yourself. Like you need to go and have this experience. And he told me at least three or four times, like that's the best trip I've ever been on. And we, we were there for like four or five days. I mean, we had a great time. Okay. But like, if I sat you down and all the crazy things I've done, I mean, he, his mind would have been blown, yeah. right? And so I just say, like, stop limiting yourself. Stop telling yourself you can experience these things. Stop telling yourself you don't deserve to experience these things. Like, that's what life is about. I will forever have that memory with, with my best friend on that week and that ticket now. Um, and I'm so glad I did. And, you know, I'm not trying to, like, turn the whole podcast into like, you know, a sad ending story. But I really think that it, it, I hope it resonates with people because that is not just a mantra we wear in our sleeves. Tomorrow is too late. We do too many things and make too many decisions in our life that we refuse. Well, I'll just do it later. Or I'll, I'll book that trip to Paris, or I'll take my dad to that park that he's always wanted to go to, or I'll text that girl that, that I think is attract, whatever it is, like we, we do too many things and we don't know when our next 
We, we don't know when our last day is. And I, mm-hmm. I want to live. I want to continue to live like that. Absolutely. It aligns with what you're doing so much. And it really, I can really tell that you're speaking your truth there. And I love that you are working it into what you are doing every day. And I love that you live it and that you got to have that experience with your friend. I got chills. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. It aligns yeah. perfectly with what we're talking about. And Lucas, I hope that we can do a round two because to me, I, I barely scraped the surface on some questions I wanted to ask you, but I, uh, I don't want to overstay my welcome. So I think we better close it up. If people want to connect with you, can you share your socials and how they can connect with you online? Yeah. So I think she said she's going to link a lot of this stuff in the description, but you know, Instagram is pretty much like the uh, easiest form for DM. I TikTok's uh, thing is terrible. They need to work on that. So don't message me on there. And my notifications are too ridiculous there. So it's, I get, I lose people all the time. Uh, but Instagram's pretty easy to get a hold of us. Um, we'd love for you to sign up. You can go to our website. You can sign up for our email blast or um, connect with us on there with our blog or where the case may be. Uh, and then obviously, you know, we're on YouTube as well. But usually the, the biggest form of meeting that I communicate with people is, is through Instagram. That's a pretty easy way to, if you want to talk or just uh, say hi, I'd, I'd love to, to chit chat there. Awesome, Lucas. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom and insights and your background with us today. I really hope that we can have a round two. And uh, Oh, we're having cannot... a round two because I got to give you some world-class photos at your tiny houses. Absolutely. That... <laughs> so we will document the whole thing on the Make a Dent YouTube, my personal one. I'm going to go hang out at the tiny houses at Zion National Park. Let's do it. And Lucas, have a great day. Thank you.